Turn with me, please, in the scriptures to 1 Peter, the first chapter. Do we know how blessed we are? We live in a great country. Hallelujah. Here we got our own place. Nobody told me yesterday what I had to preach. I could or couldn't do. We got complete freedom. Hallelujah. To, to believe what the Lord said and proclaim it and sing it and preach it and do it. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? And we're, we, we don't have to be looking over our shoulder that somebody's going to kick us out of here. Are we blessed? You know, when people fight so-called prosperity, that's what they're fighting. They're fighting freedom. They're fighting ability. God's not opposed to his people being rich. He's opposed to their being covetous. It's not things and money that's the problem. It's loving it. And having it in the wrong place, a wrong priority in your life. Somebody say again, thank you, Lord, for blessing us so. In 1 Peter 1, we began on this some weeks ago on a series we're calling Precious in His Sight. Precious in His Sight. Our text here is in 1 Peter 1, and we'll begin about the 18th verse. I've prayed. And others have prayed, but thus all of us release faith together, agree together. In Jesus' name, Father, we agree together as touching this. We ask you together for utterance, for anointing, for answers to questions and revelation, uh, the light of truth revealed, exactly what you would say to us and show us right now. Uh, give us a heart that can discern it and a mind and understanding of it. And we purpose not to be forgetful hearers, but to receive it, to esteem it, to value it, to treasure it, to keep it, and to do it with your help. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You a doer of the word? Then you'll have miracles. That is the key to miracles. That's what Jesus' mother told him at the wedding feast of Canaan. Whatever he says to you, do it. And they did, and they had a miracle. First Peter 1. 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, <laughs> but, in other words, but you were redeemed and are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. I am believing for more light and understanding of these verses than I've ever had. Would you agree there's no way we fully understand the worth of the blood of the lamb. Where we stand and sit right here today. There's, we're not even close to fully comprehending and understanding what the redemption of us by his blood is, how great it is. I want to see it. I want to know what was paid for me. I want to know 
Do you? And I'm not saying we'll know it all in this lifetime, but I believe I can know a thousand times more about it right now. I mean in the future than I know now. Do you? Do you? Say it out loud. Father, show us. We want to see. We want to know. We're asking you. Show us the precious blood of Christ. It's worth. It's value. And how we're redeemed. By it. it. In Jesus name. name. Let us see it. Let us. Understand it. Hallelujah. You believing with me? That's a big part of what this is about. And when you learn that. You're going to learn a whole bunch of things about you. Because it was paid for you. That's what redemption is. Listen to the new century version. Of this verse 18. NCV says. You know that in the past. You were living in a worthless way. A way passed down. From the people who lived before you. Just because. It's been done. For 20 generations. Doesn't mean it's worth a thing. It can be. A long. And storied. Tradition. And be absolutely worthless. How many understand whoever started it 600 years ago could have been totally off? (laughs) And if they were wrong then, it's still wrong now. And of course, that wouldn't look long to the Lord, would it? God would refer to something that's a thousand years old as newfangled. It only happened yesterday. It's only a day old. We need mind renewal, don't we? We we really need mind renewal about time. Our perspective, most people's perspective, is wrong. Because we've been alive down here such a short, short time, and people think 50 years is a lifetime. They think 100 years is just a huge amount of time. And with God, it's not at all. You are living in a worthless way. But you were saved from that useless life. Is it true that millions of people on this planet today are wasting their life? What they're doing is useless. Nobody will know about it or care a century from now, some of it next week. In the big scheme of things, it is absolutely worthless and useless. And how many would agree, we don't have time to throw away, as short as our lives are down here. How many don't want to live a useless life? You don't want to live a worthless life. God didn't call us to waste our life, did he? He never instructed you to do something that just was useless and good for nothing. Everything he directed you to do, directed me to do, It has eternal effect. (laughs) Hallelujah. You can't waste time or money or anything else doing what God told you to do. Doing something he didn't tell you to do. I don't care how much money you saved or what a bargain it was. The whole thing's a loss. That's wasting time. And wasting money is doing stuff he didn't tell you to do. That's a total waste. 
But you and I, according to Scripture, those of us who've been born again who have faith in the blood of the Lamb, not everybody, but those that believe that and have that, we've been set free from living in a worthless way. We've been saved from a useless life. You were not bought with something that ruins like gold and silver. But you were bought with the precious blood of Christ like a pure and perfect lamb. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to the second chapter. The second chapter. And verse 9. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. Now actually. That's a King James word. Old English from the Greek. Really that word might have been better translated. Purchased. Purchased. Look up the words and see what I mean. (laughs) The Lord didn't say you were weird. (laughs) Or strange. And that's what a lot of people get out of that. Don't they? And see, that's just language stuff. What he's talking about is you and I are a precious, rare treasure that he bought at the highest price that's ever been paid for anything. (laughs) We are his rare treasure. Did you know in all the universe... And in all time in eternity, eternity past and eternity future, there never has been and there never will be another you. You are a one of one by the creator. Somebody needs to say that. I am one of one. The creator's masterpiece. masterpiece. (laughs) Now the devil. Has done. He'll do everything in his power. To convince you otherwise. That the earth itself. Is just an insignificant speck. In a vast universe. And you're nothing. But one of billions. Of highly developed apes. (laughs) And your birth and life. And death. Is accounts to nothing. You are nothing. You won't be anything. In a few days you'll be dust. And won't exist anymore. Lies. 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 I said they're lies. Now if you believe it. You're you're sad. Because you you don't have hope. And you'll live in dread of death. Every day of your life. But the truth is. You are created. In the likeness and image of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're God's creation. And you are one of one. (laughs) The only one like you. The only one that will ever be. And God thought you and I so precious and so valuable that he paid the highest price that's ever been paid for anything. And what was that price? The life is in the blood. 
Jesus didn't have an earthly father. So the life in his blood is the blood of God. Yes. Yes. Is there anything more valuable than the life of the Almighty? (laughs) And that's the only thing that was valuable enough to buy you and me and pay for us. But he did. And we are. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. What bought you? What bought you? The blood, the precious. Let's use that word every time. The precious. What what does it mean by precious? People have associated a sentimental meaning to that word precious. No, don't think precious. Don't think that. Think precious metals. That's what he means when he says precious. Very, very valuable. Very expensive. Precious. Blood of the Lamb. We're in faith. The Lord's showing us. We're seeing right now and we're going to see. We're going to come into an awareness and a realization of the value of the blood of the Lamb like we've never had before. And it's going to change our lives. One of the things it's going to do is totally change how you see you. And of course you'll become more thankful than you've ever been in your life too. At what the master has done for us. What God himself has done for us. In the complete English version. I want to read this verse 9. You are God's chosen and special people. You are a group of royal priests and a holy nation. God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you must tell the wonderful things he has done. The scriptures say. This is the CEV, the complete English version. The scriptures say, verse 10, once you were nobody. Now you are God's people. (laughs) At one time, no one had pity on you. Why? Because they didn't see any value in you either. But now God has treated you with kindness. The message says it like this, verse 10. The message says, from nothing... To something. From rejected to accepted. Glory to God. I was nobody. Now I'm somebody. I was nothing. Now I'm something. I was rejected. Now I'm accepted. In the beloved, in the eternal family of God. And he's made me a king and a priest to rule and reign with him forever. Just like you. Come on, somebody say, I am. Somebody. I am something. I am accepted. He has made me so. Then never argue with him saying I'm nobody. That's a direct contradiction of what he said. And it is insulting to the price he paid. Don't say I'm nobody. Yeah, you are nobody without him. 
but you're not without him. That's right. That's right. Yes, that is right. You are nothing without him, but you're not without him. He's in you. You're in him. He has made you something. Made you somebody. He is the glory and the lifter up of your head. (laughs) Somebody say it again. I am somebody. He's made me somebody. Hallelujah. Look in uh, the New Living Translation, verse 9. You are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Now that's how they translate it instead of saying peculiar. It's quite a difference, isn't it? Don't focus on the peculiar. That's the translation issue. You've been purchased and you are an extremely valuable possession of God. That's what he's talking about. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That's what the uh, Faith for Life classes involve, is showing others the goodness of God. And encouraging that what God did for you, he'll do for them. Verse 10, once you had no identity as a people. I mean, we really were on the outside I mean Gentiles. Is that right? No covenant with God. Outside of, you know, the Bible said without hope in the world. You talk about a nobody. It is possible to live an insignificant, worthless life and die lost and have nothing and be nothing and do nothing. It is possible and it's happening. And it's one of the saddest things in life. But if you'll give your life to the Lord, I said, if you'll give your life to the Lord and you'll believe him and receive him and be born again, you are made something. Oh, hallelujah. And if you'll seek and find his plan for your life and pursue it, you will not live a useless life. God can help you to the point where everything you do bears fruit that remains in centuries from now. Every day of your life, things happen that will still matter millennia from now. It won't be your plan you came up with. But if you'll find his plan and do it with his help, he'll make everything you do matter. I was thinking about Uh, These two things that the Lord reminded me recently. Two of the things that the Lord's helping us with to multiply the ministry is the the internet, the computers, and the aircraft. And the Lord said that to me nearly 30 years ago when I had none of it. I was in a time of prayer and I said, Lord, whatever tools we need to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish, I'm, I just felt impressed to ask it. I'm asking you for them. I'm ask, and shortly after that, he led us in to begin to learn about computers. Uh, anybody remember a 286? <laughs> With a 20 meg hard drive? <laughs> and of course, I still don't know that much about computers, but I don't have to. I have wonderful folks that help us. Hallelujah. And then the aircraft... 
But uh, what the Lord said to me at that same time, I need to share it with you today. He said, son, the more valuable, did you hear that word? The more valuable your time becomes to me, the more of it I will help you to redeem. I will give you tools and abilities, people and things to help redeem your time. Now, I don't need uh, intercontinental aircraft and millions of dollars worth of internet and equipment stuff to sit at home and take a nap and watch TV. Huh? If all I'm doing is doing what I want to do and wasting my life on something that matters not, uh, he doesn't need to give me all these tools and resources to do that. I don't need it. My time's not valuable to him. Are y'all listening with me now? And there's a lot of people, what they're doing, it, it doesn't help God at all. It doesn't matter to him at all. Their time is not valuable to him. But he said, if you're, the more valuable your time becomes to me, I will help you to redeem it. What does that mean? You'll be able to do more in less time. And he's given us ministry multipliers. We're ministering simultaneously this very moment to two strong churches instead of one. And there's more people than both of those combined on the internet right now with us. Hallelujah. How long would it take you to ride around in a car and go preach to all these people? You couldn't do it in a lifetime. Ministry multipliers. I'm not saying that just about me. Uh, the Lord's prompted me to say it for your benefit right now. I'm going to say it again for the third time. I believe this is the word of the Lord to you. The more valuable your time becomes to him, the more he will help you to redeem your time. And help you to get more done. In less time, he will, he will raise up people to help you and give you money to help you and give you equipment to help you and favor to help. Not do what you imagine to do. The more valuable your time becomes to him. Are you interested in this? Then say it out loud, Father God, show me where I'm wasting time, any useless things. Any worthless things, any things you didn't tell me to do, or that you're not in, that's just a drain on me, time, money, resources, help me, show me, remind me how my time may become more valuable to you. Ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is His will. He'll show you. But now, you got to be willing. You got to be willing to chop some things off, to change up your lifestyle, your routine. Got to be willing. Got to be willing. Or it does Him no good to show you. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, to the book of Acts, fourth chapter. Now, in our last times with you, we talked about what our identity is in. Who are we, what are we, and why do we see ourselves that way? 
Remember, we just got through reading in, in the scripture there in Peter. We were a people with no identity. We were nobody. But now in him, we have an identity. And I, I talked about how growing up, you know, my identity was the family I was born into, the place where I was born, the things that we did and, and had. And so we talked about this statement I believe the Lord gave us. If your identity is in anything that you can lose, it's in the wrong thing. And you're on shaky ground. It's just a matter of time until you're going to experience an identity crisis. And a crisis of your value and your worth. Nothing can be any more secure than its foundation, than what it's built on, than what it's standing on. This building here cannot be any more stable or secure than what's under it. Well, you're the same way, I'm the same way. What am I standing on? What, what is my foundation for what I believe I am and who I believe I am and what my value and worth is? If it's in anything that can be moved or shaken or taken away from me or pulled out from under me, it's not in the right thing. I said it's not in the right thing. In, in the same place in Peter... In those writings, we see he talks about the precious stone that was made the foundation. It was made, some say corner, and it talks about, if you read it in Corinthians, it talks about no other foundation can be laid than Jesus, than the Christ. He is the rock. And the only way I can be stable and secure is that I am on him. And what I'm believing about myself stands on him and is connected to him. We talked about how if your identity is in your appearance, it's just a matter of time before you're going to go through a crisis. <laughs> True or not? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm beautiful, I'm handsome, I'm this and that. You know, you're, you're young, you're middle-aged, whatever. Well... Uh, the Bible talks about all flesh is like grass. It's like a flower that blooms and then it fades and goes away. And that's when you see people going through so-called midlife crisis. Not just men, women. I've seen a number of women just act like they're going to lose it because they don't think they look like they did when they were 25. Well, you should have known that was coming. <laughs> Did you not know? Did you not know? Sure, you can, you can be attractive. You can be handsome at 85. But you're not going to look just like you did when you were 18. Does anybody know that? <laughs> well, I don't like to talk about it. You need to talk about it. If your identity is too much in your appearance or your physical ability or your athletic ability, it's just a matter of time before you go through a crisis about who I am and what I am and what my worth is. Maybe there was a time when you were considered the prettiest one in the room. 
Well, who are you going to be when you're not the prettiest one in the room? <laughs> who are you going to be? Are you going to be worthless? Are you going to become unstable? Turn to drugs and alcohol? And just try to live in a numbed down state so you don't have to think about it? When you realize who you are in God and your value in Him and to Him, you're the same before, you're the same during, you're the same after, you're still who you are. You're still what you are. No matter what's going on in your body. We talked about many put their identity in their possessions. What they have. They see themselves in a certain way because of where they live. How they live. The house or houses they have. The car or cars they drive. The clothes they wear. The stuff. If you took all that away. If you no longer live in that big house. If you no longer have that nice car. You don't have a car at all. Who are you now? I'm just a bum on the street. ain't anybody. That's what I'm talking about. That means you didn't know who you were when you lived in the big house. You were living in a fairy tale. You were delusional. It's the truth. If you think living in a house makes you somebody, you're delusional. If you think driving in an expensive car makes you somebody, you're deceived. A car is a car. House is a house. It's not going to make you something. You can enjoy it. You can thank God for it. But it's not going to make you somebody. Jesus said, take heed. Watch out. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. (laughs) I should be way further down in my message by now. (laughs) This is the intro. So number three today, (laughs) my identity is not in my appearance. My identity is not in my possessions. Number three, my identity is not in my deeds, my accomplishments, what I have done, good or bad. Who am I? Well, they're the ones that did this. Who is that? They're the one that built this. They're the one that did that. Well, what about when nobody remembers that you did that? Who are you now? They're the ones that broke the record. Well, hallelujah. But when somebody else makes a new record, who are you now? A has-been? A used-to-be? There ain't no more. How many know what I'm talking about? It's dangerous to have your identity in your accomplishments. Because how long is anybody going to remember that? And what about when somebody else's accomplishment supersedes it? Then do you go through a crisis of who you are, what you are, what your value is? We need to be delivered. From this desperate need for others' approval and recognition. 
and acknowledgement. Do we? Our identity needs to be in what the Lord thinks about us. Which does not change. Oh, hallelujah. How he sees us. Yes. Look in Acts, fourth chapter. Acts, the fourth chapter, verse 33 says, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. This is in a church of thousands of people. And you couldn't find one person that lacked. Could God still do that today? His will never changes. And here's how it happened. For as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them. It didn't say that them in the bank had it. It was there. They had it. Elsewise, you couldn't give them the money when it was sold. And this is one of the reasons why for years we've been saying, you know, we're getting our houses and our buildings and our lands. Nobody said you had to live in all of them. Or keep all of them. As many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them. And then they brought the prices of the things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to every man according as he had need. This is how it came to pass that thousands of people throughout that church, every need was met. Not one person was experiencing lack. Hallelujah. This is also a characteristic of a spirit-filled church. I mean, we see them filled with the Spirit just a couple of chapters earlier. And they're so full of God, they're so full of love for Him and for each other, that people are more important than stuff. And they're willing to sell stuff, liquidate stuff. They're willing to give huge amounts so that everything's taken care of. And everybody's taken care of. Is this still the will of God? It is. is. And uh, verse 36. Joses, who by uh, the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. He had land and he sold it. And he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Keep going. Chapter 5. And a certain man named Ananias. With Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, like the others were doing. And they kept back part of the price from the sale. And his wife was privy to it. They were in this together. And they brought part of it, and they laid it at the apostles' feet as though it was all of it. And verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Spirit a real person? Does he speak? Does he hear? He said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Why? See, now I assure you, they didn't think that's what they were doing. They thought they were lying to Peter. But Peter is genuinely called of God. And is representing the Lord in this assembly. So in choosing to lie to him, God took it personally Mm -hmm. that they lied to him. 
And he said you kept back part of the price of the land. How would he know they did that? This is a word of knowledge. The Lord revealed it to him. Verse 4. He said while it remained. Was it not your own? And after it was sold. Was it not in your own power? Now some people have read some of these things. And and some of these folks don't even know God. And they say see there. They had all things common. So they want to try to force people that have extra. To give to people. Or you shouldn't say give. Take it from them. And and put it to the people that don't have it. That's got nothing to do with this. Nobody made anybody do anything. These people were doing this of totally of their own accord. And now he brings this up concerning Ananias and Sapphira. He said, it was yours. Nobody said you had to give all of it. Nobody said you had to sell it to start with. Nobody told you you had to do this. While it remained, wasn't it yours? You could have just kept it, not sold it. After it was sold. Anybody tell you you had to give the money? Or how much you had to give? Wasn't it yours? Wasn't it in your own control and power? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but you lied to God. You stood up in front of God and you acted like you were doing something that you knew you weren't doing. We see that God wasn't real enough to Ananias and Sapphira. Even though they're members in this church. Keep going. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. This is not Old Testament. Is it? We need to have respect for God and the things of God. You know that a a little bit later, uh, well, not a little bit later, it was three hours later, his wife came in. Peter asked her the question, is that what you did? And she told him the same lie, and she fell down dead. And uh, the Bible said great fear fell on everybody around there. Why did they do this? Why did Ananias and Sapphira do this? Why? Why would you do it? Wanting the recognition of people. Isn't that right? But loving the money (laughs) want the recognition that Barnabas and others were getting but not willing to do what they did. So through lying and subterfuge, deception, they tried to portray that they had acting like God wasn't real, like he wouldn't know. And so Were they concerned about what God saw and thought? No. They were concerned about what people saw and thought. And is it valuable enough what the people in the congregation would have thought when Ananias and Sapphira got up and said, we've sold 40 acres of land and a house place and we got this money here and we just want to give it all to the church and to the things of God and the people of God. So what, what would the people think? Well, some of them wouldn't even have heard it because they were asleep. <laughs> Had dozed off. <laughs> Others would say, what do you say? Because they were distracted by something else that was going on somewhere. And a bunch of them would go, 
Well, that's great. And wouldn't think of it again, probably. <laughs> so you're going to stand up and lie to God for a half-minded, that's great. This desire, this need for people to notice me and appreciate me and find me important and be impressed with me reveals insecurity, instability, that you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know what you are. You're looking for some sense of value and worth from them. And they can't give it to you. I said they can't give it to you. I don't care if they brag on you morning, noon, and night. You can still believe the lies of the devil and go, ah, you're just saying that. You don't really mean, you're just being nice. You're just being, and still not believe it. If your identity is in what you've done, it's on shaky ground. Go with me to John, book of John. It's also, what we're looking at here is also why 1 Corinthians 13 said, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So they're coming and giving half of that money or whatever it was, part of it. They didn't say half, it said part. Whatever part they gave. How much reward or harvest would they reap out of that? Said it'd profit them nothing if you didn't do it in love. They're not doing this because they love the people and want to see the needs met. They're doing this because they want their 15 minutes of fame. They want everybody to go to dinner after church and talk about Ananias and Sapphira. Exactly right. They did talk about them. But it wasn't the way they wanted them to talk about them. Oh, it went all over the country. Did you hear about Ananias and Sapphira? Said out loud, thank you, Lord, for delivering me. From the, need from the need of other people's approval. Of approval. You need to be free from it. Yes. I said you need to be free from it. It's great if somebody appreciates you and recognizes what you did and, and thanks, thanks you or thanks God for you. That's great. Be thankful for it. But don't meditate on it. And don't require it. And if you don't get it. For three years in a row. You should be fine. Without it. Somebody needs to say. I don't need it. I don't have to have it. What I do have to have. Is his approval. What I do need. Hallelujah. Is to know he loves me. I'm valuable to him. He's pleased with me. Hallelujah. And if you got that, you are standing on the solid rock. And though public opinion varies greatly about you, you will not be blown and tossed around with every 
change of wind. You won't be up and down and up and down and ecstatic and depressed. Why? Because they like me today. Oh, they don't like me today. (laughs) They were talking about me. Oh, they ain't talked about me in a week. That's pitiful. Being so needy, so desperate. When you are a child of God. Hallelujah. Your value, your worth was established long ago. By what was paid for you. That's what my identity is in. How about you? My identity is in that. And I'll be that a million years from now. When any things that were done or said here in this life a million years ago. Now a lot of it people didn't remember or see. Doesn't matter. I was that before it happened. I was that after it happened. Who I am in him. What I am in him. John 7.18 John 7.18 says he that, Jesus said he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory but he that seeks his glory that sent him the same is true and no unrighteousness is in him. This is why people go around all the time telling other people what they did. They are seeking their own glory. Hi. Perfect strangers. Hi I'm so and so. Yeah, I have this. I do this. Name dropping. I know so and so. Yeah, we're but what are you doing? Seeking to impress them. You don't even know them. Why do you care if they're impressed or not? (laughs) It's deception. It's confusion. And the Lord's helping us to get completely free from it. Is he? Come on, say it again. I don't have to have it. I don't need it. As that comes to pass in your life, you'll be different from most people in the world. I'm not seeking my own glory. I've had people come up to me before and say, perfect strangers. Hi, Brother Keith. I'm so-and-so. Yeah, I have this ministry. I have that ministry. God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. What's the deal? They, they want you to go what? Wow. You're amazing. <laughs> Why? Because they need it. And they shouldn't need it. And no matter how many wows they get, it's not going to fix it. It's not going to be enough. (laughs) Go to the fifth chapter. John 5 and 41. Oh man, this is life changing truth. Jesus said, what did he say? I receive not honor from men. You know, there were times they came and tried to make him king. He just left. (laughs) He just left. Jesus, there's a crowd out there trying to make you king. Okay, it's time to go. (laughs) You talk about secure, the master. You talk about stable. Hallelujah. Did he desperately need the crowd to confirm him every time he spoke? Was he unsettled going, oh, oh, y'all don't like this? Let me see what else I can preach then. Y'all just stay with me, stay with me. Uh Uh-uh. No. 
I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I'm come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. He didn't come in his own name, talking about himself, seeking his glory, trying to impress them with him. Did he? No. He said, I, I can't do anything of myself. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. The Father, the Father, the Father. He was seeking the Father's glory. Wasn't he? All the time. And when you're always trying to impress people with you, you're wanting them to give you accolades. Not God. Give it to you. Oh, you're so smart. You're so spiritual. You're so this. You're, you don't want that. You don't need that. It won't help you. I know your flesh thinks you do, but it won't help you, no matter how much of it you get. You can still be insecure. He said, if somebody else comes in their own name, you'll receive him. Somebody comes talking about their self, seeking their own glory. Keep reading. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? The honor, a lot of modern translations say praise. The praise that comes from one another. Or the praise or honor that comes from God only. This is what will set you free. You stop seeking recognition from others. You stop seeking approval from your peers or your elders or your co-workers. Stop it. You seek the honor that comes from God only. Amen. You know who I care what they think? <laughs> I said, do you know who I care what they think? I care what he thinks. I care what he knows. Who do you want to be pleased with you? I want him to be pleased. And if I got that, if he's pleased with me, And you don't know I exist. I'm okay. If he's pleased with me. And you don't like me. I'm still okay. Come on are y'all with me or not? Huh? If I know he values me. He sees me as important. And precious. And you think I'm dumb and no good. I'm fine. I can be fine. Without your approval. And you can be fine. Without my approval. Come on, are you listening? This is freedom. My identity is not in my accomplishments. Also, my identity is not in my failures. Well, they're the one that did this. They're the one that lied and messed up. They're the one that had the affair. They're the one that stole. They're the one that did this. Uh, life will try to label you as your failure. But, but... If you genuinely came to God and repented and got it right with him and you washed by the blood of the lamb, he does not see you as the one who did that. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ and you're his beloved son or daughter clean by the blood of the lamb made worthy to come right into his presence in the very throne room of God. If he's not mad at me. I can live with you being mad at me. (laughs) If he's accepted me and restored me, I can handle you not. Because when it comes right down to it, what he thinks, 
is just more important than what you think. True or not? (laughs) Go to John 2 in closing, I think. Oh, hallelujah. Thanks be to God. The scripture said you were nobody. Now you're somebody. Hallelujah. And that'll never change. We sing the song, the blood will never lose its power. Is that true? Is that true? And what it bought and paid for will never cease. The Lord didn't pay an eternal thing for a temporary thing. He didn't pay a priceless thing for a worthless thing. John 2.24. The Bible said on this occasion, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men's in brackets there, but it does apply to the subject. He knew all men. Verse 25. And he needed not, somebody say he didn't need it. He didn't. He needed not that any should testify of man. Why? Because he knew what it was worth. There are people will spend every dime they've got. They will mess up their relationships, do everything, trying to get on the cover of something, trying to get a big part in something, trying to get the top office on that. Why? And a lot of times the biggest thing is according to what people will think. They'll notice me. Okay, so they noticed you for eight minutes. What's it worth? What is it worth? I know sometimes people think one of the biggest things could happen for a preacher is be on one of the big main news shows or talk shows, international you know, huge things. Boy, the Lord would have to tell me to go. Are you listening? He'd have to tell me to go. And if he told me to go, yes, sir, here I'm going. But why? I don't care what they think. I care about them. I don't need their approval. It is liberating. It is so wonderful. Hallelujah. I'm on TV, but I don't need to be on TV. I don't need for people to know me or see me. We do that at the direction of the Lord. I don't need my adoration fix. In fact, I don't like people telling me how great I am. I genuinely don't like it. Why? I like the anointing. I like being used of God. And if you take credit for that, you're going to lose it. I know better. I'm nothing without him. But I'm not without him. (laughs) So in him, I'm something. But it's only in him and by him. And I I just don't want to make a blanket statement that I don't care what people think. I do some. I care what you think. Our people, your family, our churches, our people, our partners, I care what you think. And I would like for other people to know God and respect the things of God, but if I don't have their approval, 
I will still be able to be happy in the morning. Come on, do you understand? Man, if you can't do that, you won't go far in this thing. In the ministry, especially the more people that see you and know you, there's going to be some people that's got wild ideas. Me and Brother Jerry and Phyllis were talking about that the other night after the service. Some of the things that people have said and done to him, just crazy, just hatred and, and cruel and mean. Why? They don't even know them. They don't even know you. The devil just tries to do stuff. And if you take that to heart and you read some of these ugly letters and take it to heart and, and, and get hurt, it's only because you didn't know who you were to start with. Who are they? And what does it matter what they say? Who is God? And what does it matter what he said? See, Ananias and Sapphira didn't care enough about what God saw and what God thought. And were too focused on what they thought. Did you hear what I'm saying now? What they thought the people would think and see, which can be completely off anyway. Mm -mm, mm -mm. The Bible said some deeds and accomplishments, works that people do come out in this lifetime. And they that don't cannot be hid. Some rewards are that way. He's talking about both good and bad things. Some things you'll be rewarded for. People will find out about it. They'll know about it down here. Other things they won't know your whole life. But it'll be better when it comes out later. Do you believe that? There's a lot of folks that pray, they give, and nobody knows. They do things, they work, and they're not calling attention to their self. And, and what they have done is key and foundational in some parts of the works of God. And nobody will even know it in their lifetime. And that's wonderful because God himself is going to bring it out later. He's going to point it out. Hallelujah. When he rewards. He never forgets. Hallelujah. Stand up before I get going again. Oh, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.